In this devotional, I'm going to share with you three thoughts from Job chapter 9, verses 25 through 35, where I'll ask the question, does Job predict the work of Christ? Job 9, verses 25 through 35 says, My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They go by like skiffs of reed, like an eagle swooping on the prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and be of good cheer. I become afraid of all my suffering, for I know you will not hold me innocent. I shall be condemned. Why then do I labor in vain if I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye? Yet you will plunge me into a pit, and my own clothes will abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak without fear of him, for I am not so in myself. Job is in the midst of his suffering, and his suffering is something that he cannot reconcile. In fact, the book of Job is him trying to reconcile the fact of his suffering with his apparent faith in the Lord. He doesn't recognize that he is guilty. He doesn't recognize that he has sinned against God. In fact, he argues for his righteousness the entire time. But what he fails to realize is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore all are deserving of the wrath of God, both in this life and in the life to come. Job doesn't understand that, but during his lament, he does articulate some things of great value for us. He sees man's relationship to God. He sees the difference between God and man, and he sees the need for an arbiter between himself and the almighty creator of the universe. With this in mind, here are three thoughts from Job chapter 9, verses 25 through 35, answering the question, does Job predict the work of Christ? Thought number one, guilty before God. Job explains to his friends around him that it doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter how he cleanses himself. It doesn't matter what rituals he goes through. He will always be viewed as guilty before God. And Job is saying this in his suffering. He's saying this as a means of saying, it doesn't matter if I did good or not. God is going to find me guilty without really recognizing that he has, in fact, sinned against God, even though he is a righteous man who is faithful that God is using to demonstrate his authority over all creation. Job doesn't realize that, but Job does realize that he is guilty before God because he is experiencing the suffering that the guilty have merited. So what Job realizes here in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his struggle, is that he is going to be found guilty before God that God will find him guilty, and his punishment here is a picture of that guilt. Thought number two, God is not man. Job also is able to point out that there is a difference between God and man, and it doesn't matter how he presents his case before God. God is not man. God is on a higher plane than man. And because God exists on a higher plane than man, God is able to rightly judge mankind. And God can do with his creation anything that he desires to do. And this is a picture of what's happening here with Job. 
God is using Job as a means of demonstrating his authority over all things, even if it's something that we think might be out of character with the creator of the universe. Job sees that God is not man, that God is beyond him, and that even if he could plead his case and do whatever sort of rituals and cleansing practices that were acceptable in his day, it wouldn't make a difference. And the reason it wouldn't make a difference is because God is not man. And if God has found him guilty, then guilty he is, regardless of what he's done. Thought number three, an arbiter. Ultimately, Job is crying out for an arbiter. He says, there is no one who can arbitrate between me and God. We're just too different. He's not a man as I am a man. There is nobody who can span the distance between Almighty Creator of the universe and creation. There's nobody who can do that. And he says that there's no one to arbitrate between us. There's nobody who can be man and be God and reconcile the two of us together. And it's this idea of the arbiter that makes me think that Job is predicting the work of Christ. Because in Christ, what do we have? We have God made flesh. And God made flesh. He is both God and man. And therefore, he is able to span the distance between the holy creator and the sinful creation. He's able to span the distance between God and man. And in so doing, is able to demonstrate the wonderful love, power, control, and holiness of the almighty creator of the universe. I think Job is pointing out that there is some intercessory work that is going to have to take place in the future, and he is sort of subtly dancing around the idea that ultimately God will have to be made flesh in order to reconcile sinful creation to the holy creator. These three thoughts come from the assigned reading of Job chapters 9 and 10. If you'd like to read through the Bible with me, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, by clicking on the link in the description, or by joining the Facebook group Through the Bible, where we are reading the text of Scripture together.